0: Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about two extremely important topics, so I hope you're going to pay attention. We need to talk about things that are going to affect not just business, but, of course, sales and marketing, which is our focus. We've all heard about the data breaches at Experian, Facebook, and others, and this creates an increased focus on things such as cybersecurity, which are going to have far-reaching impacts for businesses and professionals moving forward. Another facet to data protection, which everyone is hearing about, is the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, being rolled out in the EU. If you haven't heard about it, I suggest you look it up, because it is going to have pretty significant impacts in the way we do business. To help us explore these topics, provide some clarity and insight, we have with us Doreen Redis, head of Cybersecurity Hub for IQPC. Doreen, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you Chad. Glad to be joining you and glad we're finally connecting.
0: It's taken a while, but I'm that's maybe that's why I'm so excited because it's just been that scarcity principle. I've I've fought to get you on the show.
1: <laughs> well, I am glad to be here.
0: Excellent. So, just for our listeners, just give them a little context. Um, can you help them understand Cybersecurity Hub, what you and your role there and what you guys are aiming to do?
1: Sure. So um, at a high level and just understanding our organization, right, IQPC has business units in a variety of industries from customer experience to um, enterprise mobility and cybersecurity being one of them. And so um, within each business unit, we have sort of two areas that we focus, which are live events and then our digital media business. And that's that's what I run. So I I focus strictly on the digital media platform. So for Cybersecurity Hub, what we're doing is generating content daily for our audience, which is comprised of, for the most part, director level and above um, executives, that are focused on the cybersecurity initiatives within their organizations. And so my editor's role really is to continue to provide content that they're going to utilize within their business to help secure it.
0: Excellent. So we've, Tackling some pretty heavy topics today. So I want to dive right in first to, to cybersecurity. Now, most of the audience, and if they're like me, they've heard of cybersecurity. I, I work with some cybersecurity firms. So maybe I know a little bit more than most. Most of us, whether we're aware of it or not, <laughs> have been impacted uh, by poor cybersecurity. I got I got caught up in the Experian hack and the Target hack. Um, But I'd like to get your perspective on what this increasing focus on cybersecurity means for business and professionals. If we can make it just a little bit more tangible for them to understand uh, the impacts and try and get ahead of it a little bit.
1: Sure. Really, the reality is the world is becoming fully digitized, right? Everything. And literally, I mean, everything is being connected today. So you hear a lot about IoT or Internet of Things, or what I like to refer to today as Internet of all things. (laughs) Um, And with that, it means a constant movement of data electronically. That inevitably means more vulnerabilities. So regardless of what the industry is, the risk of exposure and breach is there. And with that comes an increasing need for cybersecurity. So it's critical for for employees and IT or information security to be communicating so that there's a clear understanding of the goals for cybersecurity and how you're going to protect not only the organization as a whole, but both the customers and the employees' data. Does
0: that make sense? It does. It does. I like that. And so, if anybody out there hasn't looked at the Cybersecurity Hub, check out the website because my questions are going to be around the content that is out there, which is quite impressive. Uh, and with all of that content, uh, I mean, you guys have been, uh, you, I think you launched last November. Uh, the amount of content that is out there is extremely impressive. But when you look back since the launch, has there been one piece of content or one insight that has kind of even caught you off guard, even though you're, you know, emerged in this, in the cybersecurity space?
1: So I knew you were going to be asking me this question. So I, I looked into uh, I, I looked into our analytics since the first of the year and I, I really was actually very surprised. So there was one piece of content and it was fairly simple. It was my editor, Dan Gunderman, sort of doing a recap of some research that was out there by a vendor around the threats with APIs. And so that you know if you you asked me today just generally speaking, hey what is your your audience really interested in that wouldn't have been one of them <laughs> but yet it's you know it's one of our our um, most read pieces of content, and so clearly that headline hit a nerve with our community and something for us to be aware of
0: uh, it's uh, and the api I'm curious on the api side I, I would love to dig into that at some point uh, maybe not today why the API side because that's not a very visible side I mean at least not to Guys like me. <laughs> I'm not a. No, and I, th- I,
1: you know, and I think that you hit that on the head. I think the fact that we raised the point that there's a new threat vector in API sort of made a light bulb go off to these security executives who are charged with making sure that everything's secure. And, and they probably were thinking the same thing you are. Is, is that really where hackers are looking? Well, maybe it's something we need to be paying attention to.
0: Uh, excellent. Raising the awareness of, of threat vectors before they become the next headline. <laughs> yes. Excellent. So we've all heard or uh, are hearing about Cambridge Analytica, Experian, Target, you know, I mentioned and it all feels very personal, right? So it affects me on a personal level. But I'm curious, what advances in cybersecurity are you seeing that will impact business professionals? The American consumer market will soon include six generations for the first time. Prepare for the era of personalization and total connectivity with insights from consumers at 250. Join the conversation at atcarney.com forward slash consumers dash 250.
1: So that's a hard one. I Look, at the end of the day, I think there, from a cybersecurity perspective, there's just going to be increasingly more Skepticism and fear, and so that makes overall communication more difficult, right? So, simple example: um, if you look at marketers who rely heavily on social media, Bitly links have been a staple for some time, right? Because right. it allows them to, you know, stay within the the word count restrictions or character restrictions. So, you know, we started hearing from our audience members that they wouldn't click on Bitly links because there was some fear along with that. And so if you just look at more restrictions being put in place, it's going to make it more difficult for sales teams to reach out to prospects. Emails are getting filtered. There are so many different solutions out there to filter emails and block websites. And that just makes the prospecting and outreach more challenging for both the sales and marketing.
0: (laughs) Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I love filtered email. (laughs) Um, um, So, I mean, there's obvious industries where, you know, we hear about cybersecurity, right? Financial services, healthcare, HIPAA compliance, things like that uh, are obvious. They're kind of obvious, even for people who may not understand the depth and breadth of of the need for cybersecurity. Um, But in your exposure to the market, can you kind of give us an example or insights into some unexpected industries or ones that we may not think about all the time that are really focused on, on cybersecurity and how they're tackling it?
1: So uh, maybe because I live and breathe this, I I don't look at it as any industry being unexpected. I think every single industry, regardless of the size or vertical that they may be in, has to be addressing cybersecurity. And if you don't, you're ill-prepared, right? Because regardless of whether you think your data is valuable, um, I can tell you that hackers do. And so, where you maybe mentioned financial services and healthcare, I think just as important and probably not unexpected—or you tell me, maybe it is—is is local, state, and federal government. Yeah. I mean, look at—I'm sure you saw the headlines of what happened in Atlanta just a couple of weeks ago. Yep, that's big, right? When when government gets affected on any level, that's huge. So. Uh, You know, the ones that I, I hear most frequently certainly are all levels of government, financial services, healthcare, manufacturing, and let's not forget technology. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right right it's funny the, the tech companies have a tendency to forget sometimes they they're providing the solutions but they're still in the same pool and have to still work really on that yeah stuff. <laughs> so okay so now all the focus on cybersecurity we've got this it's not new but it's definitely a, a role that is rising in recognition right it's ciso um in in the organizations and i see a lot of content about making sure they have a seat at the table which is kind of an age old thing right anytime there's a new uh part of the organization even you know sales enablement says oh i should have a seat at the table and stuff like that um but when you look at that ciso having a seat at the table what role should they play in shaping strategic business objectives or is it more of a defensive role
1: yeah so i i have a a strong personal opinion on that before but before i get into that it I was reading our recap last night. So every Tuesday we do a recap of a radio show called Task Force seven that is live on Monday evenings. And this Monday's interview was with Gary McGraw of synopsis. And so I was reading our recap of it and he describes the four tribes, if you will, of the CISO and tribe one is, um, you know, the CISO that gets lines of business to participate in the security mission. So these folks might be technologists, but they look exactly like their senior executive peers and they have a seat at the table. And so here's where my, you know, my personal opinion comes in. I think it's critical that a CISO truly does have a seat at the table. We're so past the point of being reactive reactive. It's just unacceptable. Risk assessment, threat intelligence, they're a must. And I think when organizations are focused now on digital transformation, CISOs have to be involved in the process at the early stages. So they can...
0: I mean, it's table stakes anymore. It's table stakes, right? That you, because of yeah. the digitization of the world, ev- they definitely become ever more increasingly important in terms of. All right, we're going to make a business decision to do X, and then the person making that, maybe the CEO or the board, they're not thinking about the security exposure. They have to have that uh, walk from beginning to end. It can't come in at the end and try and you know wrap it all up and make it safe at the last minute.
1: Yeah, and I think the the old adage that you know. IT or security folks are the enemy. It, it's, <laughs> if you speak to CISOs, it's just not the case. Right. I mean, I, I you know we speak to them every day, and they don't want to be viewed like that. I mean, there certainly are some, <laughs> like <laughs> with anything, but the but the bulk of them don't, um, and they understand what the employees want and the user experience they're looking for, and they are themselves trying to balance the two. So, how do we help? digitize the organization right and go through the transformation that's necessary but yet still protect the assets that we have to protect
0: excellent excellent so let's jump into gdpr there you know it's all over mm-hmm. the press um it's an interesting i mean i have to say this affects me as a business owner we've had to do gdpr readiness and and make sure you know we have, we're actually starting to see contracts that have clauses uh where we have to prove right and the fees associated with this are no joke i mean that they can be pretty hefty. Um, so when you look at it from an organizational standpoint it's, it's another thing you're going to have to do. But I'm curious how you see that data compliance, you know, filtering down to sales and marketing professionals and what should you, you know, how do you, you know, summarize what they should understand about GDPR in the way that they're conducting business. <laughs>
1: Uh, I laugh when I hear GDPR because it kind of feels like winter here in New Jersey. is never <laughs> going away, ever. <laughs> uh, it, so kidding aside, look, it's a thorn in everyone's side. It's going to make things more challenging. But we've gone through so many things, right, in business that are challenging, and it becomes just a new way of work. We're going to adjust. So it's the buzz right now, and understandably, but... We'll adapt, and I, and I do believe everything will be fine in the end. I'm sure marketing people are, are laughing at me, but it is <laughs> what it is. Uh, I, you know, I don't think it can be summarized. I think education is, is key. Um, having training for sales and marketing from the top down so that employees full and fully understand what they can and can't do and putting policies in place within every organization for those sales reps to understand is going to be critical. Um, yeah, and without a doubt. It, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some drastic changes taking place and there's going to be some, you know, a lot of trial and a lot of learning as we go. <laughs> but uh, I think if, if, Employees are educated and fully understand what the main restrictions are. And you can read the summaries online. They're re- it's really not as hard to, to comprehend if you delve in.
0: Well, yeah. And with with sales reps, you know, the, I, I got a question the other day on GDPR because they uh, this individual sells globally and, and they maintain, uh, they're supposed to maintain all of their contacts and information in the CRM, right? But it's... A, mm. Sales rep, so you know they're not, and so <laughs> I brought it up and said, "Hey, you're pulling this information off of your personal laptop. You're gonna need to be really careful with that." And it, it, the look on the face was just, you know, absolute. Wait, what are you talking about? And I was like, sent him a couple of links. here. Read these summaries. Just understand, as a professional today, this is something you need to be aware of. So I think, I think that's great.
1: Well, and here's where it gets more. I think where it gets more confusing to your point, even if you have a CRM, right? There's that right to be forgotten, which is the removal and erasing of data, right? So this is where even I need to get further educated. So you remove somebody's data as been requested. Now you have a new salesperson who just joined the organization and they're a hunter and they find somebody's data on LinkedIn or through some other source and they've now uploaded them. If they've already been erased, how do they know, right? So there's all these lines that are, are still very confusing.
0: I love that phrase, the right to be forgotten. But it's, uh, I mean, that's essentially what we're providing. Right? I mean, it's, that's why you see all the articles on how to delete your Facebook accounts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> by the way, that's been done by me, just letting you know. <laughs> Data downloaded and the delete button's been hit.
0: Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Zuckerberg's testimony from, was it yesterday or the day before where he's in front of Congress, but I have, I want to go check that out. I've got the Facebook stuff. I just haven't. I haven't. I don't know. It's, I'm not that worried if somebody wants to know what I'm doing. Hey, more power to you. Like if you're listening to just, Alexa, <laughs> you're going to be bored out of your mind.
1: Yeah. I just got tired of it more than anything. And I was like, if I'm not using it anyway, it's time to just delete it all. <laughs>
0: So when we look at kind of the future of cybersecurity and some of the, the trends right that are coming down what what do you see being like the next big trend in cybersecurity is it more just you know focusing uh on increasing awareness or changing attitudes evolving attitudes implementing more technology what kind of things are you seeing on the horizon
1: I'm not sure I'm I'm honestly the best person to ask that question to I think the folks who are in the throes of it right the real cybersecurity executives probably have a better outlook but To your point, awareness is key, and as well as balancing that privacy and security and the user experience and security. Um, And I'm sure CISOs will be rolling their eyes and shaking their head as I say this, but I believe there's going to be more of an acceptance from employees with cybersecurity initiatives because as con- they're consumers too, right? And so media is covering it constantly and there's more of an awareness of the vulnerabilities and the threats. And so with that, I think employees over time will become somewhat more accepting.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're not really gonna have a choice. I, I mean, it's just the, rea- it's the new digital reality, right? It just changes things and kind there's just certain things you just have to accept and be aware of. Exactly. So, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> it is what it is, so you can you can yep. complain about it, but nobody's going to listen to you complain. So, suggestion
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> so let's pivot here a little bit and talk about you know uh, IQPC and this cybersecurity hub, and how your sales and marketing functions have been impacted by by cybersecurity and and GDPR. Have you guys taken steps because you live and, and breathe in that space to do things differently or enable your reps uh, and your teams differently because of your awareness?
1: So, sort of twofold one, um, I probably should be saying yes, that we've been enabling them differently, but no uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably haven't. Um, I think one of the things though is we're fairly proactive, so I think because we've we've been writing about it and you know we've known it was coming um, early on, I think we've been a little more proactive than others, uh, but some of the other ways that we've sort of changed things is we recently had to end a contract with a platform that we were using for prospecting and my sales teams were appalled that we would take (laughs) this away from them. Uh, God forbid we made some changes, Uh, but we were not confident that they were GDPR compliant. And so, you know, not only do you as an organization have to be GDPR compliant, it's critical that you know that your partners are because If you're, they are not, and you're interacting with their data, there's a risk for you as well to be penalized. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's changed. And here's the other thing, too. It is going to change things, and it's going to hurt in the short term. But if you look at double opt-ins, right, as an example, so... I'm not so sure that it's going to decrease engagements drastically. What it is going to decrease is some inflated numbers. But if the folks that really want to consume your content and really want to interact with you are checking the box, do you really care about all those other people?
0: Right, right. And it, well, and I think that's a really good point. And I, I know this wasn't part of the questions that I sent in advance, but that is a phenomenal point. I myself, running a company and having done marketing in the past, um, you'd look at those numbers and you'd be like, "How in the world is do I have fifteen thousand people for this newsletter that started, you know, five months ago?" I don't know these people. I want to have right. a, a relationship, right? So, I think I think that's a very important point for people to understand the, It may be rigorous to go through the changes and be compliant, but the shakeout, the positive side of it is you'll have people that are truly interested, that you can truly form relationships with and better serve that community.
1: Yeah. And you and I are of the same belief with that. And then on top of that, if you think about all of the noise in your inbox, right, (laughs) if that gets decreased... Because I didn't opt in, so I am no longer getting communicated with. Now, obviously, I'm not um, within, you know, the European Union. But for those there um, that have that, their inbox is decreasing. And so now the stuff that they really cared about is top of mind. They're able to interact with it much quicker because it's not mixed in with hundreds of other emails. So I think, again, doesn't change the challenge. And it you know, the trepidation that marketers are feeling, but ultimately it's not all bad.
0: Right. Yeah. There's... I mean, there's change, right? Change illuminates opportunity and structure. And if you're willing to look at it that way and, and move with it, then there's... Especially, I look at it from a sales perspective. It creates opportunity. Of course, it's another compliance issue and things like that. But uh, if you look at it the right way, I mean, everybody's going to have a moment. Go go have your moment in the corner. Hit the heavy bag or cry or whatever you got to do. Right. Right. And then just come back and realize, okay, so now there's... it's Something's changed. So now there's more opportunity if you can find it. And I think that perspective is a is a powerful one for the people that can embrace it uh kind of ride those waves of change effectively
1: absolutely yeah fully agree with you on that chat
0: so from a business perspective when we look at security hub what um cybersecurity hub, what is your what's your objective for 2018 what what's your goal what would be you know if we let's say we reconnected january 2nd and i say, hey doreen did you hit your goals were you successful what does that success look like for you this year
1: Yeah. So I think it's twofold. Um, Obviously, Google Google Analytics for us is how we really know if we're hitting the mark from a content perspective. And so for us, ensuring that our audience is getting value from our content, um, I think I mentioned this to you earlier. I don't want to be a news site, right? You can find news on hacks and breaches everywhere. What we really want to be is the place that our audience can turn to, to get information that they can take back to their roles, assist them in either implementing change or even educating their board, and then making their jobs easier. So that's number one goal. I want to hear from our audience that you, know, you provided content that's made a difference. And then two, probably no surprise, <laughs> revenue, <laughs> revenue, revenue, <laughs> revenue, and growth. Right. But right. I mean the theory is if 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 we're hitting the mark on number 1 the second's going to happen organically right so if we've got the right audience and they continue to be engaged with us then we're going to be the natural partners for solution providers that are looking to build their businesses
0: right right yeah and that's i think that's an extremely powerful uh you know perspective we, we interviewed um uh, brian turner who's a general partner at uh slalom last year and he talked about how revenue uh is always important but it shouldn't be the leading indicator for success and i think this this definitely plays into that if you get the community engaged if you're providing value uh then then the revenue uh happens uh you need to be a little more strategic about it keep an eye on it of course but Uh, That concept of value first, right, uh, is, is a powerful one. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's change direction here a little bit. Towards the end of each interview, I ask our guests two standard questions. And the first is simply uh, you're a revenue executive, right? We just talked about revenue. So that makes you, uh, in the politically correct term, a prospect. In the sales parlance, a target. Um, And so I'm curious help our audience understand if somebody's trying to get a hold of you, if the salesperson believes they have something uh, that will provide value to you, but you don't know who they are. What's the best way for them to capture your attention and build credibility?
1: So um, it's not very different than what I tell my sales team when they're prospecting. Is for me, it's if you understand my challenges in my role, and you have a solution that's going to help me, you've got my attention, hands down. And I can tell you for sure that my challenges four months ago were very different than my challenges today. (laughs) Right. And probably in six months, they're going to be very different. And I can just off the top of my mind, think of one solution provider that we ended up signing a a fairly significant contract with. He solved the problem for me. Um, You know, it was was a webinar platform and I wasn't getting what we needed out of it. And he was able to offer me a solution that matched our needs. That was it.
0: Yeah. Be doing your homework, being aware, being respectful, right. Making sure that yeah. you're, you're not just smiling and dialing, right. Or showing up and throwing up when yeah. all those phrases for it. Right. Um, okay. Excellent. So last question, call it our acceleration insight. If there's one piece of advice that you give sales, marketing, professional services, people, just one piece of advice that if they listened, that's always the caveat, if they listened and internalized it, you believe would help them be more successful. What would that piece of advice be and why?
1: I think really knowing your customer, whether you're in sales or marketing, knowing who your customer is, knowing what your value proposition for them is, not generally speaking what your value proposition is, but for that particular prospect, right? There's no secret formula here. It it sort of goes back to your prior question. You know, don't try to sell, don't try to push information, talk to folks understand what their needs are, um, understand what their goal is, and each individual that you're interacting with, their goal is going to be very different. Their objectives and challenges are different, and I think just understanding those can go a long way.
0: Without a doubt. Perfect. During if a listener is interested in talking more about the topics that we touched on today, learning more about the cybersecurity hub, uh, what's the best way to get into contact with you or the organization?
1: LinkedIn. because. <laughs> 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 because my inbox is filled with noise, as I mentioned, and I pay attention to, you know, LinkedIn feels personal. I look at it late at night or early in the morning when the kids are still sleeping and I can focus and I'm not getting hit at work with stuff. So that's it. Yeah. Hit me up on LinkedIn.
0: All right, Doreen. I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It has been excellent having you on the show.
1: Thank you. Well, I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been actually fun and a great conversation. And I've enjoyed hearing all your past guests. So I hope that uh, someone gets something out of this conversation.
0: <laughs> we'll make sure they do. Uh, all right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. You know the drill. Share the friends and families, coworkers. Get it out there. If you like what you hear, write us a review on iTunes. Shoot me an email. Let me know who else you'd like to have on as a guest. And until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you all nothing but the greatest success.